Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisant. As always, it is great to have you a part of the show. We have another great guest for you today. But as always, before we get into the show, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to get 20% off of your first order. So if you've listened to a bunch of the shows uh, end of last season and all of this season, you know that I love, love, love interviewing or having a conversation with authors. Of course, there is other things to this person, to this woman, but I think the whole process of writing a book is just amazing. And anybody who does write a book, you should pat yourself on the back, go out, enjoy yourself, do whatever you do that makes you happy. But this week we have Rachel Levin on the show. That's L-A-V-I-N. She is a published author of The Donut Diaries, but so much more to her. Rachel, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for our audience. Okay. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me. As you said, my name is Rachel Levin, and I wrote the book, The Donut Diaries, I have been in the fitness industry for over 20 years from everything from, I'm going to date myself, a jazzercise instructor to a group X instructor to a personal trainer, health coach, and now I love to call myself a body love educator. I love it. Um, You weren't a thigh master trainer, were you? Just to throw in the jazzercise <laughs> thing, you didn't do that. No, that is a tad. Okay, all right. Just I'm just <laughs> hey. So I was gonna say you've been in for 20 years, so you must have started when you were five. That's amazing. Good for I you. I owned one for sure. I owned one, but I didn't teach people how to use I, it. I feel like it was pretty self-explanatory. I, I think it, for for the 30 minute infomercial, I don't think they needed all of that 30 <laughs> minutes. But they, I mean, I think the Floby and the Thigh Master were pretty self-explanatory, but. I digress, and I've already taken it off the rails. I apologize. So, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm right there with you. So, and, and we were texting a little before the show. You are in Greenville, however, you're a transplant. I told you I went to Clemson, and you were like, I, 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 I think I've heard of them, and I think they're orange, but no, 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 no. Let's be clear. What I said was, I know that it's a college mm-hmm. here and they take football very seriously. Yes, you did. Other than that, I don't know much. I'm, I'm just going to get on with the conversation and not tell you how hurt I am right now. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. It's okay. Um, well, thank you so much, like I said, for being on the show. So kind of tell us what jump-started your career in fitness. What, what was the thing that says, this is what I want to do? I was uh, heavy all my life, and 
I thought the only way to control that was to be in it for a career. Obviously, there are more, it's more to it than that, but honestly, that's really what my motivation was. I worked for a very short time. I'm again dating myself, but do you remember the company Bowflex? Yes, I do. I worked in the call center. And I remember hearing, you know, the script that people had to read when someone would call in and be like, I don't know how to use my machine. And I just thought there's got to be more to this than that. And I enrolled immediately in Portland Community College when they had a fit tech program 2004, 2003. And that's where it started. Well, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, it's, you know, it's not a bad, not a bad thing to think of, you know, I'm, I'm out of shape. Let me work in this field to get in shape. But when you look back at those years, um, did you want to get in shape for the right reasons? Did you, were was it outside influence? Was it just peer pressure or was it just a, a negative body image that made you want to, to get fit? Well, that's the interesting thing. I wasn't out of shape. I've been in sports my whole life. I was a swimmer. I was a dancer. I was an ice skater. So it was had nothing to do with my lack of movement. I had no self-image. I had a completely distorted body image. But I am one of those people that if I don't move my body, I, I hold on to weight. It's just the recipe that I have had to learn over the 50 plus years I've been on this planet is I have to have a recipe of movement and nourishment of the right kind for me to feel good and healthy and strong and all those things. But I also have had to accept that I will not, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but I'm just, won't ever have the size zero body again because it's just too difficult for me to maintain that. And and I'm glad you you brought that up because um, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people fail to realize. And, and I think more and more people are starting to realize that, you know, body types are different. And, you know, even when we see every, you know, model has a, 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 a you know, a 19 inch waist and a 36 bus. <laughs> and it's like, you know, one that's probably not natural. I'm to the people who do, ha I, you know, I mean, no offense, but to the little girls growing up and, and I know that boys are affected too, because I, I see it also, but to the little girls growing up that you have, you know, growing up thinking that like that, that had to affect you mentally as you're growing up and thinking, I do all this stuff and I stay fit and I stay active, but I don't look like that. Like, did, did that go through your mind a lot when you were younger? Every single day, multiple times a day, for sure. And that's, uh, that's gotta be so tough. And as a father of two little girls, like, and who have two different body types, two different body types. It's, it's, it's something that I work on each day with them. So, um, moving forward, into your life um you mm -hmm. are doing the classes you're a personal trainer you're working at gyms you're an independent trainer um 
what kind of work were you helping people with now? At, at, and, I, and I asked you this for this question. Like, were, were you the trainer when you first started that just was focusing on helping people get to where they wanted to? Or were you kind of in tune with them in their behaviors and their mental and kind of seeing what things were keeping them from, you know, the, the actual outcome that they wanted? Or were you just like, hey, let's get fit and let's do it? I would say throughout my career, I have evolved between all three of those stages. I would say in the beginning of my career, I always felt very strong and secure in my teaching skills. I feel like I was able to talk a client through things and, and have them really grasp it and understand. And I've always felt, because I myself am one of those people, I learn by touch, I learn by seeing and doing. I can't just have one. I know they call it a kinesthetic learner. So I was always doing that with my clients, like touching them on their back or touching them, you know, pointing out, you know, this is the muscle we're going to work on. This is where you should. So I was always good at that, but I have definitely evolved into, Hey, just come to your session work out. Bye. See you next week to, I really care about what's happening to you and let's talk about it. Let's, it's okay if we don't get to the workout part of today, you clearly need something more substantial. You need something more emotional. So I would say I've done all three. Yeah, you, you've evolved and, and looks like you've matured in that role. And I think one of the things that people still don't quite grasp or a lot of people don't grasp is you can do all the work with them that you want while they're there with you. But then the nutrition part is so vital that they take care of when they're not with you. However, before we talk about that, if I were to say the word diet to you, how does that word make you feel? I've dealt with it. <laughs> so now I can hear it without having a visceral reaction <laughs> and want to scream because I know it's not for a long time. It's not going to go anywhere for a long time. I'm working on it. I'm working really diligently on it, especially with some other amazing women, but the word still exists and people still associate that with their lifestyle. And if you really go back into the science books, the word diet doesn't mean what we think it means. It does mean your nutritional habits on a daily basis. It's how you choose to eat is what diet really means. It doesn't mean, hey, let's go starve yourself until you're this big and then you can't stand it and you go eat your way through the grocery store. Yeah, um, I that may have hit a nerve with me also. Um, I, I don't think a few years ago when I was, was going up and down and trying to figure out what I, if I wanted to do all cardio and if I wanted to do all weights and all resistance, I, you know, there were days where I'd run five miles and eat a thousand calories and I'm six foot five. And, um, wow. I, right now I'm 235 and I feel great. I got down, Good. I got down to 206 and I still felt, I still looked in the mirror and I was like, I gotta, I gotta lose more. I gotta lose more. And I don't think I've ever said that on this show before now that I'm thinking about it, but, um, but yeah. I bring that out. in people. Yes. So, and, and, and like you, I kind of, I was active as a child, as, as a youth sports, soccer and basketball, and I couldn't put on weight to save my life. I couldn't. 
and I just want to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I become an adult and I gain all the weight because all I do is drink beer and eat fried food. And it's like, you know, you know, you know the, the, how it goes from there. But one thing throughout all the weight gain and loss, I never accepted my body until lately. Late, it took me over 40 years to say, you know what? This is mine. You know, this is the only one I get. And there's no point in not like, what's the point of hating yourself? So let's transition to body love, to self image. Was there a turning point for you? Was it transitional? Was it an aha moment? What was the time that you first noticed that, hey, this is me? Like, and, and I'm, I'm kind of cool with it. What was that like? That is a story I tell often. And I was turning 40. I was a size zero. I was, I guess you could say in the best shape of my life. I was working at a gym in Manhattan, had lots of clients, had lots of friends. And the day after I turned 40, I broke down into this emotional event it was an event because it was just so different than anything i've ever felt or experienced since then as well i just remember going into the group x room of the gym i worked at and just bawling my eyes out in the dark room staring at myself in the mirror just i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to feel this way anymore and looking at my reflection in the mirror and just kind of having this epiphany it's like you know what you are always a beautiful woman. You are always a strong woman. You are always funny. You are always all the things that you think you're not. And it was just such a powerful moment for me because even though my journey of the restrictive dieting and all of that is still taking a little more time, the foundation was laid that day where it's like, I am not going to hate this person anymore because I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And I had that realization that day that it's like, I can have that, but I got to do some work. So that was just such a powerful day for me. That's, that's great to hear. And, and also what I want to know is, is during this time, did, you know, people looking at you probably thought you were extremely happy. They probably saw you mm -hmm. and, and saw, oh, Rachel's so fit. She has so many clients, man, I want her life. I want to be like her. And on the inside, you're just dying a little inside. Yeah. Well, it was very interesting because this whole transformation kind of from 175 pounds to 125 pounds happened in front of a whole gym full of people. And you know how people are when they have a dramatic transformation. They think that it's okay to comment on your body. And so they were, I was getting all kinds of comments like, oh my God, you look so amazing. Oh my God. Oh my God. And what was the thing that stuck in my mind the most was that some of the women there were like, you skinny bitch. And like, they were mad at me. They were angry. And I held on to that for a long, long time. But now I know where that comes from, of course, you know, because I have felt it too. And so I, I understand now, but when you're in that moment and you're getting so much attention positive, negative, just, but really people just thinking they have every right in the world to talk about your body was such a weird thing for me. It was just real weird. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I mean, that's a, 
a societal phenomenon for some reason. Like, I don't know how we got there, um, but like the people who... Well, because we associate, we associate thin with good. You're fat, yes. you're bad. Mm-hmm. You're thin, you're good. So we, it's, we're, it's innate in us to compliment good things. So that's why. Right. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I did have people once I made the dramatic weight loss. It's like now, oh, you say something, and and I really think, and I, I and I've had to learn this too, and and I'm sure some people listening to this show, because I used to be the first person when I hadn't seen somebody in a year, and then I see them and they're fit and they're thin, like that's when I call them beautiful. And that's when I say they're successful. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's like, Oh, good for you. You did the work. And it's like, wait a second. Like that is just perpetuating the stereotype of fit is good and thin is good. And, um, I think a lot of us kind of get that pressure from, you know, that first PE class that we, <laughs> we go to. And it's like, we have to change in front of everybody. And, you know, the girls are on one side watching the boys and the boys are, and you see the girls kind of pulling their shirts down and the boys kind of, you know, doing whatever. And it's like, at that moment, we start to understand how much body image means, um, especially in this country. And, you know, to the point where when we see an actress or an actor that may be heavier set, that's how they're known. That's the roles they get. Like we want that person. And, and once they lose the weight, it's like, oh, they lose all their, their market value. So, um, and I, I apologize for going on that rant, but I just kind of had it in my oh. mind. But so now we fast forward to the book and we fast mm-hmm. forward to the donut diaries, which by the way, amazing title, amazing title. I think it's great one because I love donuts. Um, and if anybody's ever in New Orleans, Krispy Kreme donuts, go get them. They're the best, hot and fresh. Again, I'm going off the rails here. But t- talk to us about the book. What made you decide that this is what I want to do? I had always felt there was a book in me, you know, because I've had so many drastic transformations, you know, physically. And this last one was so drastic. It was like 50 pounds, 50 plus pounds. And I had never in my entire life been a size zero before. And let me just preface by saying it did not last very long because that is an impossible way for me to sustain, okay? But I always was like, I'm gonna write a book, how I lost the weight and kept it off, right? I mean, The Biggest Loser, like all that stuff was just in my face. And I was like, I'm gonna do that too. But after this big weight loss and then I've gained the weight, I realized how much more important it was to write about my failures. Like I had to write my whole story and I still had so much more to learn than that big last big weight loss. And when the city shut down, pandemic hit, I had the stars just aligned for me and I said, now is the time and I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going to do it. I, I invest in myself and that is, we're going to keep that theme going because I think, I don't think a lot of people do that and it takes them a while to get to that, that point. So, um, tell us about the book. Tell us what people can expect out of it. Um, what should they not expect out of the book and just, you know, where, where people can, can get it. Okay. 
you want me to answer in that order? <laughs> Whatever. I, it is your show. You do what you want to do. Um, but I'm assuming Amazon, go to your website, all that good stuff is where they can get it. Okay. We, yes, we've got that. We got that one out of the we, way. We got that out of the way. All right. So what can they expect from the book? What they can expect is my message of you are not alone. Men, women, young girls, young, you're not alone. That's my main message. But it's also my story, and I do my best to tell it in a real, raw, but funny way. Like, I, I've heard the feedback multiple times. It's like, I'm reading your book, and I can hear your voice saying it. And that was my goal. I didn't want it to be, and don't get me wrong, okay, I'm, I love health, self-help books, but I didn't want it to come across as another self-help book. There's no... And what you can't expect is that it's not, you don't have to sit there and journal, you don't have to do exercises, you know, writing, and you will definitely not get a meal plan out of this. You're not going to get a workout. Out. It's not a diet. It is not a diet. It is literally my story of what I went through and how I came out the other side. And, you know, just not to give too much of the book, but you know, what, what is one thing that people are going to learn about you and don't give too much. I want people to go out and read it, but what is something they're, they're going to learn about you in the book? And I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I know, but, but, <laughs> I, I, but, but I am, but I'm doing it. It's okay. You're, you're forgiven. Even though you are a Clemson tiger. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. Thanks everybody for being a part of the show. This has been great. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> What's, what are they going to learn about Rachel? What are they going to learn about Rachel? that I am I'm super honest in the book like I own up to everything that I did with my clients and to myself and how I changed my mindset and how I did my best to change the way I dealt with my clients the way I talked to myself so there's a real there's a real honest transition in there and I like that because you know a lot of these and I'm not going to throw any names out there, but you'll get a lot of these books and, and people will will put these things out about what they did on the day to day and their meal plan and their prep. And, you know, they won't mention anything about the fillers or the liposuction or the implants. And it's like, like, come on, like I'll buy the book, but just, you know, give us the, the real part of it. And um, I, I think what what is also great and you mentioned earlier about that those stinging eyes and words you felt and heard from other women when you got, when you lost the weight. But your mission, as you put it, is to create safe space for all women to feel whole in their own body. And I think yeah. in this world where women's bodies are always under the microscope, they're all, I mean, all we hear about is this celebrity who got so fit so quickly after a pregnancy or this new diet plan that this person is pushing and oh wow she has her six and it's like the, i'm not a woman so it's hard for me to empathize but geez that's a lot of pressure that is a lot mm -hmm. of pressure so for the young women or the fathers and mothers of young women who are listening like what what do you want to tell all the young girls out there who might look in that mirror and say, I'm not thin enough, or I'm not pretty enough, or I'll never be like that. What do you want to say to that person? Oh my God. So many things, but I love how you worded that question because that is my mission. And if we can start 
believing in our bodies and trusting our bodies and loving ourselves so much earlier, then, I mean, that, that really is what I'm trying to accomplish because it's such a waste of life to have to deal with that. But when it does come to the little girls and boys, it is up to us, the older generations, to instill that self-love in them. You know, but you have to be real honest with yourself. How do you talk to yourself or your partner about your bodies? Because they hear that. They hear that and then they internalize it and it just becomes a repetitive cycle. So if you do have little girls or little boys, you should be pretty mindful of how you talk about yourself. That's number one. It's gonna happen, no matter how positively you raise your kids, they're gonna hear it from somebody else. So it's going to, you're gonna have to deal with it at some point. And the more comfortable you are with your body, the more open conversation you can have about, you know, what they're hearing or experiencing or going through. Just be honest. That's all you can do is just be honest and give them the tools that they can go against the grain. They don't have to diet. They don't have to say, oh, I'm too, mm -mm. they don't have to go through that. But you have to instill that in them as soon as you can. I think I think that is great because again, like I said, that the father of two little girls and and one is this this tall, lanky giraffe that she, she how do you trip when you're just standing up? I have no idea how she does that, but she does it. And the other one is more solid, and you would you would I mean she can run through walls, and we have. You know, we have instilled in them that they are perfect just the way they are, and and they don't have to to think about. It. I mean, they're nine and seven. Like, let's not let's not have that conversation yet about you know what you should be doing and just love yourself. But I, I do want to say this, and and I think it's I think it's interesting for for women and young girls, and and you know because puberty starts early and, and earlier than boys and girls start developing, and it's like. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're a girl. If you don't develop, it's like people make fun of you. If you do develop, it's like, oh, look at her. And it's like, I think I'm saying this for the men listening, for the, and the mothers and fathers of boys out there. So we learn to respect and, you know, make sure we don't say things or, or teach our kids things because they, they emulate. You're absolutely right. They emulate us. If I'm watching the TV and somebody, some lady walks through and I say something derogatory, and my girls hear me, they're going to normalize that and think that's okay. That's how men should be talking about me. Um, yeah. and, and so I think you pushing body love is, su we, we all need to, like we all need to. And I think one thing I do want you to talk about, because this is not a journey that just ends. Like you can't just wake up one day and be like, Hey, Love my body. I'm good to go. It's Tuesday. Let's get to work. Like, tell right. us about like your everyday journey. How do you continually just work? And, and I want you to talk about those days that you don't feel good about your body. Like, how do you get you through those days? I had to literally dig deep into my past and deal with my abandonment issues, deal with my mom issues, deal with the man issues. I had to really sit in who I was and who I could see where I wanted to be, there's no way I was going to get there without dealing with my past. 
There was no way. So that's why I said, even though my book is not a self-help book, I've read some amazing books. Like I love The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. I love The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And journaling, like I've done all of that. But for whatever reason, on the 40-year epiphany, I went full throttle. And I just was like, I am sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. I really just kind of isolated myself purposely, stopped dating, stopped doing this for until I felt like I was ready to present the real me into the world. So I will tell you, it takes a lot of mental, emotional work. You've got to clean up your past. Because those are the things that you learn this behavior from, and that's what's become a habit. So if you really, truly want to get to the bottom of these things, you have to deal with it, okay? I did affirmations. I did all that stuff. I had to change the way that I spoke to myself instead of waking up and being, you're a fat pig. It's like, you're beautiful today, you know? And it might sound cheesy, but that's what worked for me. Now I've done it for so long that when I do have that day and I wake up or I put on something that I don't feel so beautiful in at that moment, I can say to myself, hey, your body is perfect today. I love you. You're safe. Whatever I need to tell myself in that moment, and it allows me to go on with my day. Because before, if I would see a photo of myself or try on something and it didn't fit, I mean, you would think the world was ending. It was just, it was impossible to get past it because there was so much value held in the body that I wanted so bad that I could never have or I couldn't have for a long time. So it really had to be something in my in my mindset that shifted. Like I made a choice that I was gonna be happy and that means that I gotta do whatever that I that it takes for me to stay happy. I, I felt that the value, you had so much value in the body that you didn't have. Like that, that, that really stuck out when you said that. And what I heard, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is, is you're starting to treat yourself like a friend. Because oh. I'm, I'm sure through all, the, I'm sure through all of this, like people would come to you and you'd be a great friend. You would listen. Let's work on this. Oh, you fell off the wagon. Don't worry. I got you. Like we're good to go. But then you would do it, and the whole world was on fire. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love mm. that. Yes, I try. I started treating myself like I was my best friend. You're mm. right. That's perfect. And. I think more people should at least attempt it because I, I like it. Like the people will say, Oh, I, I'm not going to do affirmations. I'm not going to do journaling. I'm not going to, you know, once we start doing something and it becomes routine, then it becomes us. And I don't think mm-hmm. enough people like we say it enough over and over, like we'll tell ourselves we're dumb, we're fat and, and we're stupid over and over again. And we'll start to believe it. Hey, guess, guess what? The opposite happens too. Yes. If you wake up in the morning and say, you know, today I'm going to do my best and I'm a beautiful person. Keep doing Mm -hmm. that and keep doing that. And guess what happens? Like you become that. And I think, you you know, to your point, Mark, the more you do become that person, Mm -hmm. you do become a better person. And so that's who you start presenting in the world. And that's what you attract. You know, I know Ah, some people think that that's super frou-frou, but it works for me. And that's, I choose to believe that. I mean, 
that's the reason why shallow people have shallow best friends. Like it, it you're, you're absolutely right. I, that sounded horrible. That sounded terrible. But it's like, oh, you look like, oh, I know why they're friends. Like I know why they're friends. They share a brain. I apologize. I do for that. want to just say one quick thing, if yeah. you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Especially when we were talking about, you know, instilling into our young kids. I think it's also important, and we didn't touch on this, but to but you did, and I just wanted to elaborate on that. But teaching our kids to be good people, to be nice, to be kind. I think so many times we're we I don't know if I just came out of the womb learning how to distrust and be mean to other women but I it was just something that I did very young and I hated that about myself and I made a decision that I was going to be a woman's woman and I was going to be serious about it and I do not invite anything other than that into my world I, I love that because I think a lot of parents you know in in this generation especially before we're always like, hey, you know, kids will be kids. You know, they're going to say what they're going to say. It's like, no, I want you to parent your child right now and let them know what they said is not good, you know, and, and words matter. And mm-hmm. I th- that is a great point because, yes, ki- listen, my kids don't have a filter. Like, they just don't. Like, whatever pops up here goes right out the mouth and you're like, where did what like where did that come from like no we don't say that we don't ever say that like when have you heard me say that oh no i heard it on youtube it's like well there goes youtube like we're not doing that anymore (laughs) um but you're you're absolutely right and i I love the connection that you've made between you know working on that mental space to make sure you have room in your life for that physical space because you, you you need both like you cannot do one i mean you're a perfect example like physically everything looked great and then you have a you you have a breakdown you have a breakdown and that's when this whole process starts so I really appreciate like you opening up about that and talking about that because I know a lot of people wouldn't even mention it. Wouldn't even they they put that back in their subconscious and say, "Nope, I'm definitely not going on a podcast and talking about that." And, and no, no, no. <laughs> but um, before before I let you go, I kind of want to give you the floor and just I want you to to somebody listening who you know, showers in the morning and make sure they, they throw the towel on real quick before they get out of the shower so they don't see the mirror. Or if it's foggy, they're like, okay, great. Or, or the person that, you know, will run out of the locker room if they even go to the gym or the person that just can't bear to see themselves without clothes or with clothes, let's be honest, or with clothes. How does a person start on that journey to love their self and love their body? Wow. That is a, that's, I mean, that's a deep question. It doesn't seem like it, but that's super deep because I still have to do that sometimes where it's just like, no, I, my, my boyfriend can see me naked. It's okay. I don't have to put on a robe. Um, but it's just a matter of get being comfortable in your own skin. And that may look different for everybody. For me, it's, when I want to run from something, that's when I know I need to sit there and be in that moment because it's something I'm trying to avoid. So if I'm like, I don't wanna look, I don't wanna look, I actually physically stop whatever I'm doing and I look. 
because I know that I've avoided stuff my whole life and it got me nowhere. So if I sit there and I deal with it and then it's done and then I can go on about my day. I, I love that. <laughs> the moment you want to run away from something, that's when you know you literally have to sit there and take it. I think that is very, one, it shows a lot of self-awareness, a lot of self-awareness. And then it, lo it shows that, that growth mindset that nothing's going to happen if I just keep running and running and running. And again, just so people, this is a journey and why I love talking about this, this is a journey I've been on the last 18 months, two years of my life. And, um, and again, if people want to go, you know, look at my, or listen to my other podcasts, I had a show last season called let's get naked, literally about this. <laughs> and I mean, the cover is just me sans clothes, of course, stuff covering stuff. But, right. um, now I, now I, I, so people know more about me. I kind of live in just nudity as long as I can in the morning. And just, I mean, I have extra skin because of the weight that I've lost. And I used to hate it. Mm. Used to hate it, hate it, hate it. And mm -hmm. it's like, what's the point? Of, like, I'm not, I, I, I don't want to get any cosmetic surgery. I'm not going to do the surgery. This is me now. This is me. So, I mean, why not embrace it? And Absolutely. I, I, I think... And I'm not telling anybody to go and take your clothes off right now, run outside. Don't do that. But I'm saying no there, streaking. There's, yeah, yeah. Let's not do that. And but you mean in your own home, right? Yes. Is that right? Yes. So I'm. But I'm saying those those 30 seconds after a shower, where you just wait 30 seconds and just every day for a week, for a month, just say I'm going to look at my body. I yes. would even, yeah. I would even say, say something nice to yourself. Yes. Even if yes. it's, even if it's, you're not ugly. I mean, what mm -hmm. if it's something simple for me to tell myself I'm beautiful was very important because mm -hmm. I never felt beautiful. Never. Mm -hmm. So that affirmation really hit home for me. And I still use it to this day when I'm having a hard day. So but an affirmation doesn't need to be something that you read on the internet or you find. It's just something that hits home for you. You know, it could be, I am enough. I am oh, not hairy the way I that's thought it was That's a good hairy. one. Whatever. Yes. You know, it that, can be anything. I, people, I'm worth it is a great one. Um, I love I'm that one. I'm, wor I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of appreciation. All that good stuff. So, Rachel, thank you so much for being a part of the show. How can people learn more about you and i think we've kind of talked about how to get the book but how can they purchase the book also absolutely well i have an exciting announcement i just rebranded myself so i was uh under rachel Lavin fitness for you know 15 years but now i've decided that i'm more than that and i really am trying to spread the message of wellness so i am now rachel Lavin wellness my website has been updated. My Facebook, my Instagram, and my LinkedIn have all been updated to reflect that. So Rachel Labin Wellness. My book is available on Amazon.com, The Donut Diaries, and it is also available on my website. I love it. The well, I mean, you're absolutely correct, Rachel Labin Wellness. And again, that is L-A-V-I-N for everybody looking for you. Rachel, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your life to be open, honest, and raw, which is exactly what we'll find in your book also. 
Um, I had a great time. Thank you so much for spreading body positivity. And I hope a lot of people will take all the words that you said. Body love, Mark. Body love. Body love. Body love. Yeah. And then she just, you guys can't see it. Then she shot me the, the, the finger gun thing, which <laughs> I don't, I don't even know where to even start with that. But <laughs> Rachel, this has been fun. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. You take care of yourself. Okay. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AM Run to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.